You've got something up your sleeve, Sarah. So I do. But first of all, I have to say mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, but I also feel like we should get points for like, it's been almost five years. We're almost in season five and we've only missed up this one time. <laughs> I think other times we've discussed things and actually caught it before. We are like, yeah, we're totally going to read this book from 1991. We haven't read in a while. I'm sure it's fine. Listen, welcome everyone to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And listen... We, okay. All right. So we're talking about we're talking about the dragon and the jewel right now, everyone. We we are not talking about the dragon and the jewel today or ever. But we need to talk about the dragon and the jewel. Yes. Because we're not ever going to talk about the dragon and the jewel. <laughs> this is the most you're going to get about that book, which I will confess I chose because when I was in high school <laughs> in 1992. <laughs> I read this book until the cover fell off, and I am now somewhat embarrassed to admit that. No, I mean, look, when you know better, you do better. And so, I'm doing better as a reader, (laughs) and I'm just saying that about a third of the way through this book, I texted Jen, and I was like, change of plans. (laughs) At that point, I was a lot farther and was like, okay, but... Then there's the part where this happens, and you were like, what? (laughs) So, if you have already read Virginia Henley's The Dragon and the Jewel, because for the last four weeks we've told you that was going to be the read-along, and during that time you were like, oh my god, what are they going to do? The answer is, we're not. (laughs) Because there is a lot wrong with this book. Yeah. Um, And a lot, frankly, that we should have... In 1992, I should have seen, Uh, but I was, you know, young. I was 15 years old. Just (laughs) like our heroine. (laughs) Just like our heroine, which is probably, let's be clear, part of why I was so drawn to this book. But, like, now at 43, I was pretty horrified by it from the jump. (laughs) Um, And all I did remember was, like, that giant dark-haired man with a huge penis. And he was fascinating to me at 15, and less so now at 43. <laughs> he had, you know what I was, I found amazing, there's, look, there's anti-Semitism and homophobia and Orientalism in this book. That's why we are pulling the plug. Also a 15-year-old heroine who's, like, desperate to, like, yeah. It's, as I said to Sarah, this isn't just bananas, it's an entire produce aisle. And when we <laughs> when we said you guys were doing Dragon and the Jewel, I will say at the very beginning of this whole endeavor, this whole podcast endeavor, we had said um, we won't ever pick a deep dive book that we haven't read ahead of time. But then I think you know I just it, I'm I it was hubris. <laughs> so sure that yeah. we would never do it wrong. Okay, so we don't want to talk really about the book at all. I think one of the things that's interesting about that experience, though, is there were sort of two things. One is, okay, three things. Number one is, <laughs> it's funny what you remember, right? It's funny mm-hmm. the things that you are like, I remember this so like, vividly. I remembered the two Ps, one V, obviously, because I probably was like, wait, that can happen? Uh, 
Like, I, okay, so I reread almost the whole thing until I came to a hard stop at the Crusades. Unnecessary visit to the Crusades. Shh, there is, like, ass play. I, there is so much fucking sure. in this book. I was like. Oh, my God. And from the jump. And with all sorts of, like, secondary character fucking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's wild. So, I guess that's one really interesting thing is just, and we all as romance readers have had that, like, when people are like, okay, I'm looking for this book and I remember this one thing. It's it that part is just fascinating to me. It always will be like how your brain works, the things you stick on. Plus for me, I will say like this is a real person, right? So like I remember being in high school in history class, yeah, and being like I want to learn everything there is to learn about Eleanor Plantagenet and Simon de Montfort, yeah. right? And like there isn't a ton to learn about Simon de Montfort unless you're like a history a PhD in, you know, history. And like Eleanor Plantagenet has a million books about her, and so I read a bunch of them and now I could tell you very little about Eleanor Plantagenet honestly. And I kind of remembered, like I was like, "Oh yeah, there was like a a, a wave of these historic like putting the history in historicals, right? Where they were real people. It's like washed over history, well, right? Of like I said, I can remember telling my history teacher, like, oh, I want to do a paper on, like, Simon de Montfort and Ella Plantagenet. And they're like, is nothing. Like, yeah. It's very difficult to find primary source material when you're 15. Right. 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 So, like, well, especially I back think, then, no internet. Exactly. No internet. Virginia Henley, like, she does a lot of, like, hand waving. Sure. It's very fossily. Oh, yeah. But then also there's sex all over the place, <laughs> which is probably what I remember. I mean, that is, in fact, what I remember sure. about all these Henley books is, like, they're so, so much, much sex. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, sh- I just want to give a nod to Virginia Henley for being in The Pirate and the Pagan. She said the- that book begins with the line, my, what a beautiful cock. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the heroine is talking to a rooster and the hero is listening through the door. Sure. And he thinks she's in there, you know. So there's a lot. To think about with, I was going to say love. No, there's no. a lot to think about with Virginia Henley. Um, just like there's a lot to think about with a lot of these books from the early 90s but the, or, and earlier. But here's the thing I do want to say. Yeah. We've talked a lot about 92, 93, 94 being like really cornerstone years in historicals. And that is not to say that the books were perfect then. And when we have spoken about books like uh, dreaming of you that were published during that like little period of time. Um, we've talked a lot about like the problems in those books and how you can really see the marks of history of the genre on those books. But I think that what was happening during that time period, and we're going to have a trailblazer interview that will talk about this in depth. So I don't want to sort of give too much away, but I think that what was happening during that time is like that we're seeing in this book and this like kind of the Virginia Henley books, they are so old school. Like the idea that they are published, they were published in the nineties is almost difficult for me to believe. I found myself really thinking as I was reading, is this feminist? And I was also thinking about it because um, someone on Twitter was going back to read something morning Rose evening savage. I think that we talked about with Steve Amidon, where I was like, these are books about women who are like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be domineered. And then they, like, love being domineered. And and this book had, like, a bit of that. Although it really does, at the end, they kind of determine that they are equals. But I found myself reading it really thinking, like, what 
what would have been appealing about this to me as like a younger reader? I also, by the way, was pretty sure I had read this book just because I think I've read everything, but I do not think that I have. Like as I was reading this, I was like, I have no memory of any of this. And I was obsessed with The Lion in Winter when I was in high school. Yep, and this would have really And I would have been I think I think that would have same. I think I would have been like, "Oh, it's like the Lion in Winter's granddaughter. I I'm into it." So I must I don't think I ever have read this. It was this was well, a first time read for me. Look at you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Look. No. No. I, yeah. I, you're 100% right. I think that there's a lot about like this book on the reread in 2022 feels like why why well and certainly why reread it right yeah i here's what i would say i was the way i kind of found myself going through it was thinking about it as like an editor because different choices would just be made today like the entire first 40 percent where she's like a child and married to another man and then he like dies literally on top of her on her wedding night right that is a cornerstone moment for me i can believe it the like i in my head there are dozens of books where the first husband dies literally on top of the heroine during sex yeah and i don't think that's true like i think this book is the book where that happens and for me like it was so shocking and memorable that i have like retconned it into every other old school historical today this book would have started at like essentially the 40 percent mark and that just mm-hmm. would have been her past it would not have been Anything anybody need yeah. to spend 200 pages, like, literally yeah. putting on page. You know, there's that Lisa Claypiss one where they don't meet. There's, like, a whole first romance also in the 90s. Yeah, Sugar Daddy. Yeah. It wasn't written in the 90s, though. You don't think so? No, that was one. Of, that was her first contemporary. Okay. But I just was really interested in sort of, like, oh, yeah, there was sort of a group of books like this. Those McNaught books that we talk mm-hmm. about all the time, right, where you're like, oh, it really doesn't pick up until page, like, 120. Yeah. Like, I never read the first 100 pages of Perfect ever. Anyway, I apologize, everyone. It was my pick. <laughs> now you know what 15-year-old Sarah was into. <laughs> it's different now over here. Look, <laughs> his dick was so big he had to, like, invent his own Listen, medieval jock strap that could fit him yeah they mentioned it so many times well <laughs> i mean henley's really into that because please recall that virginia henley describes male testicles in this book it's not this book yes it sure is because i read two it. swan's eggs in a black nest yes it is this is. oh of course that's why i know it of course <laughs> It is this book. I remember I was like, she thought this was another book. It's I this thought one. that it was a different book. See? It's all in this one, Sarah. These are his giant testicles. <laughs> so now, look, you've listened to it. I hope your headphones were in for that last piece. <laughs> but listen, we pivoted hard. Yeah. You're getting a full Sarah and Jen experience today. <laughs> because about an hour and a half ago, we were on the phone and I was like, can't do it. Like, we're not doing this. And so now we're doing an interstitial about royals. Yes. Because she's a princess. It's relevant. Sure. <laughs> so 
One last thing I'll say before we pivot to Royals. For those of you that have been around for a while, we did do a Royals interstitial back in season one with Nana Malone. We will name check probably like just a few of those same books because there I think are some that have like kind of turned into classics. But we're going to talk about a whole new set of Royals books today. That's a great thing about romance. Circle back around. Always something new. Also, uh, when we did this in season one, there was no red, white, and royal blue. Right. And I feel like red, white, and royal blue reinvigorated the royals as a yeah i agree concept especially in contemporary hard agree yeah and uh we'll put links to the original royal episode in show notes so you can go listen to that too uh but should we start with nana since honor the queen yeah sure so nana is with us because nana writes royals and she writes them really well and we think she's fabulous and she's a friend of the pod and she's been on a couple times and we think she's great but since that episode, she has written another duet. Uh, she's like queen of the cliffhanger, but she writes really fast, <laughs> which makes us happy here. And this new series is two books called London Royal. The first one is London Royal, and the second is London Soul. And the hero is Alexi, and the heroine is Abina, and they call her Abby. Uh, in the book. And Abina is a, a Ghanaian photographer who has escaped a really terrible abusive relationship and come to England as a photographer. So she's sort of um, on the run. So check your content warnings on this. Like it's, I think it's done really thoughtfully, but you know, your mileage will vary on the content here. Um, so she gets to London and she falls for, um, you know, a prince on the outs, as they all are, let's Obviously. be honest. <laughs> um, and like all of Nana's books, like I think when we talk about things, when the thing that we've talked about with Nana, we've talked about bodyguards, we've talked about, um, you know, romantic suspense. When we talk about Nana spies, we do a spy episode with her. Like, I think she is kind of the queen of romantic adventure in a lot of ways here. Um, her books always have, like, people in car chases, kidnappings. Like, there's always, like, a possibility that somebody's going to get murdered. There's big drama, super danger. It's just these books are high, high, high conflict, high heat, high, like, drama, and, like, all the characters are extra, <laughs> which is why she writes these big royal books. Like, it makes sense that princes live in Nana's world. And um, I think this is a great duet if you're looking for just, like, a prince and a girl somewhat on the run. I mean, they're not on the run, but there's a lot that they could die at a lot of moments. I love here. it. I love it. Okay, I don't know if it's quite royals, but I want to talk about it, so I'm going to squeak it in here. In the Hidden Legacy series, I've talked a lot about, like, my love for the first series, which is with Mad Rogan, which is the first three books. The second three books are starring Nevada's sister, Catalina, and she falls in love with Alessandro Segredo, who is an Italian count. I'm sorry. His name is Alessandro. Yes. This is important for my research. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Sarah has something. She's... I've got something cooking. Jen okay. doesn't know what it is. Okay. But okay. All right. His name's Alessandro. And one of the reasons that I want to talk about it is because I think it does. Okay. So in this series, right, book three is coming out Ruby Fever, I think, in late August on your date. So probably August 24th. 
And 23rd. 23rd. 24th. What's a day between friends? Nothing. So Catalina is a Texan, right? And she's from this magical family. But because Alessandro is like this, like, playboy, right? Like, he has this very Instagrammable, like, everyone in the world knows who he is. He comes from this, like, incredibly, like, moneyed, wealthy, powerful, Italian. It's kind of like, you name it, all of the markers for, like, intimidation, like, right? Like, are, are, she just really feels like, how could anyone like that ever fall in love with me? And I think that one of the things that's really, that I enjoy often about these books is that, like, sort of commoner versus regular person play. I mean, like, that's, right? the, that's whole the whole ballgame. Ballgame, right? right? It goes back to when we talked recently, a couple of weeks ago, we did celebrity romance and, like, yeah. it's Same. just better when one of them is, like, a nobody. Yes, and in this case, though, what I really like is over the course of the three books, because I've I've read Ruby Fever, her, like, figuring out, and I think this is, again, like, built into the system, like, just because he has the breeding and the money and the whatever doesn't mean that he's, like, happy, right? Like, I think these are books that really traffic in that question of, like, what is what do you make happiness out of? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's like the thing about royalty is we just assume that like their lives are better. Yeah. Right. When in actual fact, and we've, <laughs> um, wait, I know Rebel Carter is out there <laughs> listening to this episode. Cause she has thoughts about it when I say this, but like in actual fact, it's not great out there being a royal. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I joke. All- I think one only need look at poor Meghan Markle. <laughs> Right, I, like, right. Oh no, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. terrible. Well, and to like marry into the royal family. And I will like never forget on the Oprah interview with Meghan Markle where she was mm-hmm. like, you know, I I grew up in Hollywood. I I I thought I knew what like it meant to be like that upper echelon, but not like this. It's like it's nothing like that. Right? Yeah. So, even though he is not like really royalty, I think that that the 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 that second series here in this hidden legacy series like really does traffic in like a lot of thinking about what does it mean to be like a young upstart versus like a, a young upstart house versus like an old one that's been around for generations and um I just love this series. If you haven't read the hidden legacy series, like just clear your weekend and get it done. So mm-hmm. Alessandro Segredo. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, creators of the microdose gummy. Microdosing THC is commonly associated with wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. Some people get sleep help out of it, um, pain, anxiety, workout, recovery, all these things. Um, Eric has been using them, our producer, and he said he's getting a lot of focus from them. So there are lots of ways for you to use microdose gummies uh, to help. Yeah, give it a shot. I have been using them to help me fall asleep. It's been fantastic. And so I've even experimented with trying them when I'm having a particularly bad bout of restless leg syndrome, and it has seemed really helpful. So microdose gummies are available nationwide. And to learn more about them and to learn more about microdosing THC in general, you can either do a quick search online or you can go to microdose.com and use the code FATEDMATES to get free shipping and 
30% off your first order, which is a lot. So you should definitely check it out. Um, you can find out more information in the show notes and we will put all these links. But once again, that's microdose.com and the code FADEDMATES. Thanks to Microdose Gummies and Lumi Labs for sponsoring the episode. Like the base assumption, I think, when it's like male, female, is that like he's the prince and she's the commoner. But I do have one where like it's the other way around. And it's mm-hmm. in um, a, princess for, a Princess for Christmas by Jenny Holiday. Oh, I love Jenny Holiday. I know. And this is just a great book. I haven't read this one. I really like it a lot. There's actually a second book that's already out, and my guess is that the third one must be coming. I think there's a third one that's probably coming out. And in A Princess for Christmas, um, Leo is like a New York City cab driver, and he is driving past the United Nations. (laughs) Sure, as one does. Sure, picking up a fare, and he picks up this princess, Marie. Mm -hmm. And I also like it when they come from a made-up country. That way I don't have to think too hard about colonization. <laughs> Being real honest. Sure. Accurate. Right? And they, um, he, his younger sister, for, you know, plot re- romance reasons, is, like, in the car. And the two of them end up, like, kind of befriending Marie. And she, and, you know, he falls in love with Marie. Do they know that she's a princess? I can't even remember. Because you know I love a hidden princess. No, I think they know because it's like she was at the UN giving a speech or something, right? I think the sister might know and it's the one who's like, Leo, you dumbass, that's a princess. And he's like, I do not. I do not follow Paris Hilton. Yes. What are you talking about? (laughs) So he ends up, what I really like about it too is he ends up going back with her to her home over Christmas And then they have this, like, idyllic, like, Hallmark-style movie of a book, except with banging. That's what I want. It is also what I want. (laughs) I think the thing that I also really like about it is it just felt a little fresher or newer that she was the princess, right? He was the commoner. And, you know, his sort of dealing with all that, like, here's someone who's always going to have more power and more money. And what could he possibly have to offer her? And I have to say that, you know, given the way people are socialized, I think that felt really like an interesting conflict. Cool and different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I have one. She's not the prince. She's not the royal, but she is the one with the power. Okay. And I think that that's interesting. So I want to talk about Angelina M. Lopez's Lush Money, which is like basically a Harlequin presents, but like flip it on its head. Um, the main, the heroine, Roxanne, is a billionaire, like an actual lady billionaire. I love that. And, um, she, you know, comes from, she came from, you know, came up from very little. She like is a self-made billionaire. She decides that like the best way for her to like solidify her power, this is really old school and like. And basically, she's like a dad from a regency, (laughs) except it's modern, right? She's basically like, I want to have a princess. Like, I want my heir to be a princess. So she finds this, like, poor prince. Nice. From a country. It's (laughs) like Spain-ish. Yeah. Um, And he is, he needs 
money. Mm -hmm. Like, he is, because these people are poor. Like, you you read all these articles about Buckingham Palace just being riddled with rats. Yes. Because, I mean, the queen is not poor. But, like, there's, it costs money to, like, be royal. And so he doesn't have any money. And he, like, has a, I don't know, his, like, he has, like, a passion for, like, wine growing or whatever. But basically, she makes him a deal. And she's like, I will give you a bunch of money. Like a settlement large enough yeah. to like save your country, but um, I want a baby. Mm. So they make this deal, and the deal is like I want three nights of your month, yeah, of, for a full year until I'm pregnant, and then we will divorce, and you will take your money and go. And so, and it is like the first sex scene in this book. Is like the power dynamic is completely different than, you know, you ordinarily see in romance because she's like, we're doing this for a very specific reason. Love is not involved. Pleasure really isn't involved. Like all that needs to happen is like, I need to get impregnated. And it is wild. Yeah. And like really cool. Like what, what I think. Angelina Lopez is doing this book is really interesting. Like she swings for the fences hard and like, it's really fascinating. And if you love a parent, if you love a presents and you love a prince, yeah, this one could be for you. Books like this allow for like those really high stakes plots where like, I mean, we've talked about this kind of before with, like, nobody's baby but mine, right? Like, a woman who's just, like, you're basically just a sperm donor. Like, those are really – it's really hard, like, the judgment, right? Like, it Mm -hmm. feels like it's so hard. And I know that, for example, I I have not read Lush Money, but I know that, you know, some folks are like, I had a real problem with this plot. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we as readers are supposed to – like, We're not supposed to love yeah. the setup of this book. Like, And here's the thing. We've talked about this before, especially when we talk about Susan Elizabeth Phillips, who will just, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes those scenes where the sex is work uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like, the sex is supposed to be uncomfortable. You as a reader are supposed to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be hot. Yeah. Right. In that first, in that beginning. I mean, what's weird about it is you feel, but like she messes with you. Like you, it is a little hot, but like then you're like, oh no, this is. I'm not supposed to think this is hot, right? Uncomfortable. Well, and I mean, yeah. I think it's fascinating. Like, as as you all know out there, like I love it when someone swings for the fences. You know, any kind of real like uh, thinking about royalty as like a institution. It, we're not supposed to be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. So I think books that feature royals that do really deal with like, hey, this is actually pretty fucked up and broken, I think yeah. are the ones. And I think that's why I like in the Hidden Legacy series, like, right, like you slowly really start to understand that Alessandro is completely fucking miserable and everything about his life is totally fucked up. And I think that that's what I like about these books. I, mm-hmm. I like it when the royalty part of it is a disaster, right? It's kind of a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I like it when they, when it feels like they can't get out of it. Yeah. Like when it feels like a trap, I just want to name check Susan Elizabeth Phillips's kiss an angel, (laughs) which as you all know, big fans of it here at faded mates. We talked about it on the grovel episode a couple of weeks ago. 
the hero is a secret Romanov. Obviously. Sure. And also a college professor and runs a circus because. Sure. Because <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> why not? Because put it all in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. Hat tip, Susan Elizabeth Phillips. I'm crossing that off. Important to note that hero's name is also Alex. We're getting around to what mm. my theory might okay. come to be. Now, are we ready to talk about Tracy's book yet? <gasps> yeah. I'm always, I just want to talk about Tracy's book all the time. Oh. This works out great. Okay. So Tracy Livesey's book, American Royalty, comes out later this month. The setup for this book is so great. I can't even stand it. Right. So she is an American rapper whose rapper name is Duchess. Her real name's Danny. I don't understand royalty. He's like a prince. I guess his grandmother is the queen. He's a, he's a royal, he's a prince and a duke. Sure. It's great. Jameson. And the queen. This is an alternate reality England. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'm just saying it is England. Yeah. It's an alternate reality. Yeah. I mean, not that alternate. (laughs) right <laughs> i mean no but it's uh it's not queen elizabeth no right 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 is like holding a royal concert essentially to you know make good with the locals or whatever and as, and jameson in like kind of a not paying attention moment recommends this american rapper duchess i think because a student mentions it he's like what I like about him is he has essentially escaped kind of the monarchy, right? Like he also is a professor, does yes. not run a circus, no. although kind of does by the end of this book <laughs> run a circus. And he suggests Duchess. And the fact that this is like Duchess and a prince, I don't know. Like I just like love it so much. It's, it's so, so great. It's so clever. Like even the, just the setup is very clever. So she's coming for like a jubilee. It's not, yeah. it's not a jubilee, I don't think, but like there's a concert and like an event and he's been asked to run it. Yeah. And essentially what he his big ambivalence about this is he'd essentially kind of cut himself loose from the royal family, right? Well, I should say he's like a like a nerdy professor yeah. like who has no access to like the in, like no interest in the internet or like the celebrity culture or any of that shit. Right. And so it's not just that he recommends Danny, it's that some student tells him yes. oh you should get duchess sure and so he's like okay like, i guess he has no <laughs> so, idea and it's like yeah it, so it's great because here comes this american rapper into who like is at the top of her game right right like she's like a little bit of lots of american rappers but like she's yeah. got a cosmetic deal right. coming she's she's like a little bit rihanna a little bit cardi b because she like you know, has a little bit of, um, right. you know, her lyrics are not necessarily, like, the most royal acceptable. Sure. <laughs> um, but also, she's just, like, a legend yeah. already. And her reason for kind of saying yes is she has this, like, low-key white girl stalker who has been really making... Who's, like, also a... Or like who's like a low rent rapper. Yeah. Who's essentially been like clearly like essentially like I'm going to make myself famous by going after Duchess. Right. In a lot of different ways. And Duchess, of course, is like, there's no way for me to win this. I can't say anything. I'll just look right. It's like this like kind of perfectly designed trap from the media. So she's like, I'm just going to like bounce out of the States and go to England and you know, for romance reasons, she has to live in his castle house with him. <laughs> I mean, like, 
Because where else would she live, Jen? I mean, obviously, it's the only place. <laughs> Please. She has to take baths in his bathtub while he bakes bread. It's so hot. Listen, this book's also Listen, really hot. That's once really the like sex starts in this book, <laughs> it's just like, it's just, just flames everywhere. Yes. Yeah. And he, of course, promises the queen, right? Like, I will not have sexual relations with that woman because. Oh, don't make him into that. <laughs> Well, he does. He promises yeah, he that he her. won't get, he won't add more drama to the royal family because his the uncle, one thing Tracy does yeah. really well. I mean, she does everything well here, but like, my God, like this royal family is a capital M mess. Yeah. Right. Just like the real royal family. Right. So like, and then on top of it, there is this, so there's, there is this real sense of like, Duchess is powerful in her own right. Yeah. She is skilled. She is competent. She's a businesswoman. She's talented. She has the world in front of her. And so the idea of, it's the opposite of what we were talking about before. We're like, you know, you're, uh, you know, Cinderella. This is not Cinderella. This is the opposite of that. Like she doesn't need him. So as they fall in love and it becomes clear that in order for them to be together, they are going to have to be royal, right? Like Mm -hmm. royalty is going to be a piece of this. Like his title and his family are going to be a piece of this. She has to learn. She has to be willing to sacrifice. Like it's not Cinderella. She's not like walking away from like an attic room filled with mice. She's <laughs> right. walking away from like yeah. a giant An empire. Life. Right. Right. Yeah. And so she has to decide. There's like this big question. Yeah. And I think it's a really modern take. Yeah. On the royal romance, um, and not only because, of course, as you're reading it, you like. There are there there is it is impossible to read this book in the age of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry without like making drawing comparisons, um, which I think Tracy's trying to do here. But like, but also it's a very modern take because we have a, a like truly actualized heroine who yeah. is deeply competent and skilled and moneyed and 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 so love really is the whole ball game. Yeah royalty as like trap instead mm. of like royalty as like you know yeah. all these you know it back in the day it was like gold digging like if i could get my hooks into that then i will be you know truly happy because then i'll be rich entitled and moneyed and now royalty is instead in our modern world it's like no you are entering into this like devil's you, bargain with this yeah. you know now the rest of your life is not yours right you will literally never be able to eat a cheeseburger with your friends ever again yes yeah yeah so i thought that this actually right so if you i mean so that's the thing about like modern royalty books right like some of them are just like yeah this is great but i think the ones that are really interesting like tracy's book it's instead mm-hmm. are this like what's it gonna cost me And is it worth it? Yeah. It's really fabulous. It is like, it takes the royal we, which is Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan's book. I mentioned Go Fug Yourself earlier, right? Um, That came out many years ago. And that was like a retelling of like Kate Middleton and Prince William. Um, But so it takes that sort of concept and it really just like explodes it. It makes it, I mean... If you love the, if you liked the royal we, you will love American royalty. Like it is, it just, I mean, Tracy's one of the best of us. Yeah. 
and this book is terrific. It is out June 28th, which is next week. Perfect. And uh, you should pre-order it now because pre-orders matter. And also, Tracy, we'll put some, we'll put the link in show notes to Tracy's launch event, which is with our friend Kate Claiborne. Nice. All right. What else do you have? Uh, what else do I have? So wait. So that's Jameson. Um, all right. Let's talk about some historicals. Yay. Okay. We haven't done a historical yet. Well, the dragon and the jewel. Oh, God. Well, we're skipping that. <laughs> I want to talk about my friend Sophie Jordan's Wicked in Your Arms, which is the first book in her Forgotten Princesses story. And the Forgotten Princesses are not all princesses. Like, they are they are daughters to a like, kind of king of a London underworld who come who finds them when they are older. Like, he, they were all born and, like, he wasn't part of their life. And then he, like, comes back into their life. And, um... Greer, who is the heroine of Wicked in Your Arms, which is the first book, um, was a game mistress on like a on like a estate. And she I mean, these kids grew up without any money or title or name or anything. And now um, they have uh, they've got money and they've got which gives them a little bit of access. And so basically she's invited to this uh, ball where um, he she kind of is she's a little rough and like has really she you know, she hasn't been as hasn't had access to the same kind of like training that other women in the Regency have had. Um, and he, she hears him kind of overhears him in a very pride and prejudice kind of way, basically say like, she's absolutely wrong for as a wife. Like she would never make a good wife. And oh, he, I love it when they say that. Yeah. He's a, cause I mean, obviously What's you're going to end up marrying this woman. Um, <laughs> so he's the prince of a foreign country has come to England. He needs money. He needs a respectable English wife to like, you know, save the country as per usual. Um, he says she's an unsuitable wife. She throws a drink in his face. Great. Good for you, Greer. We love that journey for you. And then they end up at a house party where there are house party shenanigans. And uh, Sebastian falls hard for Greer. One, I think we said this in the first round. Like, one of the reasons there aren't a whole lot of, like, princes and princesses and romance is because, like, it's really hard to suspend disbelief. So I will admit that I do like the ones that are just kind of like dirty KU ones. So oh, yeah, sure. Ruby Dixon and Katie Wilde and Ella Good have a series, The King's Spinster Bride, The King's Horrible Bride, The King's Reluctant Bride, right? And yes. I'm like, this is what I Fine. want. You know, like they're just short and dirty and in KU. I love it. There's a one called Prince Albert. Yes. I've talked about this before. The hero is a a stepbrother. He both is Prince Albert and has a Prince Albert. (laughs) You don't have to think too hard about it, right? Like, you're just going to read something pleasant in, like, not that taxing. So I would also just say that if you have trouble with the, like, I cannot suspend my disbelief and you just want to go to, like, the pure, like, royal erotic romance fantasy... I I think that's out there for you. This week's episode is sponsored by Adriana Herrera, author of A Caribbean Heiress in Paris, which is one of our favorite books of the year. It is terrific. It is an awesome historical romance about a young Dominican heiress, Luz Alana, who goes to Paris with her BFFs. They're going to take 
the Paris Exposition by Storm. She's there to sell some rum, and instead she meets a whiskey distiller from Scotland. Mm. Who just happens to be the Earl of Darnick. I think that they should enter into a marriage of convenience. I mean, obviously, especially (laughs) because he's like big as a house. I mean, of course. Listen, Adriana knows how to deliver. (laughs) She was really watching that show with the Scarlet and the Duke. Big Miss Scarlet and the Duke vibes here. Um, As Adriana said at an event with me the other day, uh, thisexuals unite. (laughs) So you can get a Caribbean heiress in Paris Anywhere books are sold right now. It is available in print, in ebook, and in audio. And we think it's terrific. We think you're going to love it. It has all those big extra historical romance feelings. Um, and you can also follow Adriana on Instagram at Adriana underscore Herrera. Or visit her website at adrianaherreraromance.com. Thanks to Adriana for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. I think I have another way for you to be able to suspend your disbelief, Ooh, everyone. Okay. I think I cracked the code today when I was doing my making my list. Tell me. That is literally all of these guys are named Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Or Alex. Or Alex. Alexander, Alexi. Alessandro. Alessandro. I... I gotta say, there's like a rash of them. So let me just talk about the next book on my list. So Sebastian with a V mm-hmm. is the hero of um, Sophie's Wicked in Your Arms, which is he's a crown prince of you know fake romance landia. Julia London has a series. The first book in the series is The Princess Plan, and Sebastian, a foreign prince. Um, turns up uh he's also from you know fake romance landia <laughs> he turns up in england needs same deal needs money needs an english wife stay we've all seen this start eliza um is a gossip columnist for a newspaper who like kind of has like high up friend high enough friends in the aristocracy to be invited to events this book jen you'll love it it begins with a masquerade ball nice where all the men from this country, all these foreign men, are wearing the same black mask to mask the identity of the crown prince. Nice. So that he may select his bride in an uh, anonymous yeah. way. Cinderella style. Except, in cla- like, this first chapter is really terrific. You should all go, like, if you're not sure, you should go download this first, sa- download the sample and read the first chapter. Um, because what ends up happening, she- Julia does this amazing thing where she really captures the frenzy of the marriage mart mm. and, like, the way mothers must have lost their, like, would lose their mind at the opportunity to get their daughter married to a prince. And so there's literally a line <laughs> that, like, <laughs> the heroine kind of, like, stumbles her way into because she's had a little too much rum punch. And it's just like, what's this line? And she gets into it, and it's a line in which she they're, they're set to meet the six or ten however many people men from this country who have come as the prince's entourage and so they have to be like charming to each one in the hope that one of them is the prince and he chooses her to like dance with or like court it's 
bananas and extraordinarily fun because she's like a little bit drunk and also a writer and like definitely not interested in marrying a prince and she's ruined and she was ruined by like the promise of marriage from a very wealthy man so she's like i hate all people who have power and wealth um and of course like he is instantly into her um and his name is also sebastian Okay, I think a third common name in this case is Maximilian. Okay. I'm just going to say, say more about that. I've not run up against a Maximilian. I just feel I like it's not just like it's Maximilian. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Jenny Holidays, in the second book in the Jenny Holiday series, he's Maximilian. And then in one of the, I think the Katie Wilde book, he's Maximilian. See, I love that you've been... Uh... During while I was talking about that, you were like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm thinking about like how I can add to your theory. Listen, yeah, I'm gonna show you this. Can you see this? It just says Sebastian's on it. Okay, so listen, because here's what I'm gonna say it is a god tier romance hero name. It just is not, I've never written a Sebastian, but I can tell you that there's one coming because I obviously need to. Sure, okay, are you ready? Yes. Nana's first royal romance duet, which is the cheeky royal romance duet. The hero is Sebastian. He's king of this like country that actually, and it's connected to the uh, the the London Royal series. Um, Sophie, Julia, Kristen Proby has a has one that I haven't read, but I'm going to shout out because it's called Enchanting Sebastian, and um, he is a hidden prince in Montana. <laughs> I mean, obviously. About to inherit the throne in England, but, like, is taking a vacation in the wilds of Montana. And then Jen Wang, and we should have talked about this last week, has a graphic novel called The Prince and the Dressmaker. Oh, yeah. And the cover of this is so cute. It's terrific. Yeah. And he is, I have you read it? Yeah, it's it's a YA. It's, it's YA, Yeah, right? kids love it. It's great. I just bought it for my daughter. Um, but the... The prince and the dressmaker, and that prince is also Sebastian. Hmm. So I'm just going to say that of the however many books, only three of them this today have been not Sebastian. Not Sebastian's. And it's been Jameson, Alessandro. Matteo from Lush, from, uh, huh. from Lush Money. I'm sorry. Not Sebastian's or Alexi. Uh, uh, some version of Alexander. So, if you're writing a prince, <laughs> you need to write an Alexander or a Sebastian or a Maximilian. I've written, for the record, a Max, and that is it. I have not written the other two. And the Max was a contemporary, and name was Destiny with that one. Yeah. He was <laughs> Max. <laughs> We're right back to Virginia Henley. <laughs> So anyway, that is my very scientific uh, analysis Pulling. of prince romances. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm like thinking so. Well, because I feel like, like why? Because then I googled like just generally Prince Sebastian, and there is a prince about a real one. Mm. First of all, like this is not an English name, really, Sebastian. I mean, it is, but it's not like a royal name. Oh, and I forgot to mention there's another one: the hero of Prince Charming by Rachel Hawkins. It's also Prince Sebastian, and that is also a YA novel. Uh, Prince Sebastian of Luxembourg sure. is alive, and he was born in 1992. I mean, there's a lot of my favorite Sebastians. They're just regular dukes. 
you know, Sebastian in Devil's Bride. Sebastian, Everybody's got St. Vincent. St. Vincent. Why do you think it is? It's a top tier romance hero name. Do you know an actual person named Sebastian? I So here's fun fact. Dan, my doctor friend who checks all of my medicine and tells me I'm definitely crazy every time I write a book. Uh. His nephew, who was born a couple of years ago, was named Sebastian. And I was like, that is the greatest romance hero name ever. He is going to be beloved by all. <laughs> And so that is the closest I get. Like, there, I know a four-year-old named Sebastian. What about, you're a teacher. You must have Sebastian. I no? was, I've been really wrecking. Now, look, I've been a teacher for a long time, so I'm trying to, like, flip through my memory banks. I, I have not taught a Sebastian in years, if I have ever, but there was a kid on my son's volleyball team in high school that was Sebastian. See? Nice kid. Was he very popular? I mean, I don't know, because I'm not in high school. He seemed charming and nice. He seemed See? very nice. Romance hero. Romance hero. Listen, Prince Sebastian of Luxembourg is all I've got. But if you're out there and you have or know or have married a Sebastian, <laughs> please report in. Please report in. If you are a Sebastian, you want to come on, talk to us a little bit about the heavy, the heavy is the head that wears the crown of Sebastian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I got that quote wrong, but whatever. You know what I mean. We know what you meant. I like to bring a little taste of scientific research to the podcast every <laughs> once in a while. Data. We are data-driven. We really are. So, um, but here's what I want to do. I want to say one more thing. Do you have any others? The thing that's hard is like the some of the some of the ones that I still think of are ones that we talked about on the first one, right? Like yeah. it feels like you can't talk about Royalty Without Talking About a Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Right, Alyssa Cole. I really love those Emma Chase royally books. Yeah. The royally, royally screwed is the first one. Right. And one I really, really love called The Queen's Game by Carla de Guzman, mm-hmm. which is terrific. So, I mean, I feel like we're kind of like, okay, well, you know, we've talked about these already at length. But if you are just really like, no, I love royal books, like, here's some more. Yeah, but I also feel like when it comes to a princess in theory, it just feels like you know you're preaching to the romance choir. Everybody's read that one. Everybody's but. read that book. Um, and how about Talia Hibbert's *The Princess Trap*? Oh yeah, I really like Which that one. Which is kind of great. It begins with like a accidental snogging. Yes, and it in gets, an alleyway, it gets caught on film, and then you know what else are you gonna do? But for romance reasons, go to that cu- country and fake a relationship, be the royal girlfriend. <laughs> I love that. I love that, and it's totally plausible. Like, and it's great. It's the best. Tali is great. And that is why yes. our next read along. Our next read along is Get a Life, Chloe Brown by the great Talia Hibbert. So the first in the Brown series, S- Brown sister series, and a, a nice segue that you. Thank you. Tali's been there, writing Sarah. Prince. She's written a couple of princesses or princes, I think. And now uh, this is not, there are no princes or princesses in this book. It's just freaking great. How about that? Regular people. So that's going to be our next read along. And I can guarantee, I can guarantee we will actually read it and talk about it. Unlike yeah, the we're not going to be surprised by our memories, by how poorly our memory has banked this book. <laughs> Surprise, the crusade no. <laughs> is not no. going to really happen. Um, listen, we should tell everybody that tickets to Fade of Mates Live sold out in under 12 hours. We are floored especially since most of you were asleep during the first bit of that. 
Um, and we are so excited. So that is officially happening July 30th in Alexandria, Virginia. There is a waiting list. If you are a local and you want to call Old Town Books and get your name on the waiting list, they will let you do that. Um, we are uh, very excited to have an awesome group of authors joining us. Special guests include, this is not a complete list, we don't think. There's possibility of some new, some other names being added, but they include Andy J. Christopher, Kate Clay. Born, Allie Hazelwood, Adriana Herrera, Sophie Jordan, Diana Quincy, Christopher Rice, and Naima Simone. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, there will be gear there. We have a special image that we're going to launch there for gear for all of you magnificent firebirds. I just can't. I, I yep. like know it sounds like an ingenue, but I really can't believe that so many people want to come and listen to us. It's awesome. I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah. Tell everybody how they can find each other. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. We know a lot of you are coming like as, as like singles, right? You bought yourself a ticket and you don't know anybody. So we are thinking about how we can like help you make friends at the event. Um, so, you know, we'll have some games. Maybe we'll have like special buttons that we can have Kelly make that say like, I'm looking <laughs> for a friend because the one thing I do know about everybody in that audience is, and if you have never been to a, at a romance event like this before as a reader, it is the best because everybody is basically like, all I want to do is talk about books. It's terrific. So we're going to help you find each other. Um, but there is a Twitter thread where people can sort of like sort of identify who they are. So um, and, you know, we'll have time to like, you know, meet and greet and talk to people and it'll be a small crowd. And I hope, therefore, that we'll really you'll really have a chance to talk to each other and, and see us. And it's going to be a really, really good time. In the meantime, um, we'll put links in show notes but you can go to kelly's website and you can order an avatar pin um if you're active yes. on twitter or on the osrbc facebook group and you are meeting people there or, instagram, or on instagram even you're meeting people there and you want your avatar on a pin so that people can recognize you from your tiny circle Kelly will handle yeah. that for you. Uh, we'll do links there. Uh, you will get the tickets come with a $25 gift card from Old Town, which you will get that night and hopefully spend on books that are uh, by the yeah. people who are there. The meet and greet after all the authors are going to stay so that you can hang with the authors and meet them. Um, it's going to be really fun. And we also hear from all of you. We've, we are hearing you guys who are like, come to my town come to Austin, come to Hawaii. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we want to do this. We, this is our, you know, it's specifically small cause it's our first live. We want to make sure it's great. We want to yeah. like iron out all the kinks and the plan is over the next year to do a few more to like partner up with other bookstores and figure out how to do it in other places for sure. So everybody here is a final. Well, we started with a disappointment. Well, we all, we're ending with one too. <laughs> So we told everybody that if you couldn't make it to the Monroe live event, that we would eventually put it in the feed. And we did. We meant that. We really did. <laughs> yeah. And we were kind of like, oh, we're finally going to do it because so many people were like, hey, do you have it? And then when we looked at the files, we all suddenly remembered something, which is Zoom crashed halfway through. And it means that the files are like corrupted and or gone. But Eric and I were just talking and here's what we're going to try to do over the next like some length of time so follow us on twitter follow us on instagram and what we're going to try to do is pull out a couple of little audio 
like great audio bits from what we do have, that which we is have. largely okay. the last half or so of the event. So it'll be all the parts where you guys were sharing books that you love. Um, and honestly, Jen and I felt like that was the most fun part of the whole event anyway. So we're going to share some of that audio online um, and hopefully give you a little taste of what you missed, but we're very sorry. Also, to that end, we raised a bunch of money and transcripts are going up as we speak. They're they're appearing in the feed on the website. Um, and so thank you so much to everybody who bought tickets to that. The Trailblazer transcripts are getting done. Um, they are, they're, they're very, Caroline who's doing them is doing such a like meticulous job and uh, we're very grateful to her and to all of you. So I know like a lot of information there at the end, but you know, what can we do? Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to our sponsors, Lumi Labs and Adriana Herrera, author of A Caribbean Heiress in Paris. If you love Theta Mates, please support our sponsors and tell us online what you're reading this week and why it's great. We're always looking for something good to read in the summer. Thanks so much, everyone.